Welcome back to the Win Big Podcast. This is Tyler here with Stephen and Zane. Thank you for your continued support and listen. With us tonight is lawyer and NFL agent Marcel Owens McCray. How are you tonight, sir? Oh, doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? Oh, good, good. Hey, I appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, kind of on this podcast, we want to get some some sports guys on here with sports backgrounds or business backgrounds and just talk and just uh, get some information out there. So we do appreciate you coming on. Um, kind of what I wanted to start with is kind of give us a background. I know you're a lawyer, and I know you're just recently an NFL agent. Kind of give us that journey from from being a football player to where you are now. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, growing up in East Texas, uh, Linden, Texas, you know, uh, football is one of the most important aspects of, of life there for, for young men. Um, and so I played football all of my life, um, something that I really enjoyed um, in high school, played uh, played defensive back, played running back, and ultimately quarterback, uh, went on to play at the University of Houston. Um, and uh, I recognized pretty early on there that I, I, was, I was blessed athletically, uh, but I think for the most part that my gifts were more uh, cognitive and cerebral. And so I started focusing more on uh, the ed- education side of things and uh, getting my life prepared for life uh, after college without sports and uh, in another direction. And so I eventually uh, graduated, went on to graduate school where I got an MBA um, and ultimately to law school um, so that I could become a lawyer. And so I've been practicing law for eight years and uh, I always wanted to be an agent as well. Uh, but I figured the most, uh, I guess, beneficial way to go about that would probably be to work for a while, get some experience. Uh, save some money up, uh, and then step out, you know, as, as it pertains to being a lawyer, uh, I'm sorry, an agent, because I knew that, you know, having the financial backing of being a lawyer, I wouldn't be 100% reliant upon uh, the income as an agent, because as you probably know, it's a very, very up and down type of industry. And so um, it took me a while to step out on faith and move in that direction and pursue it. But ultimately, I, I did that last year. I was supposed to be certified last year, uh, but uh, the pandemic came and they were unable to administer the exam. So they pushed it out for another year. So I got certified um, this past fall um, and I was able to sign my first client uh, and I was ultimately able to get him on the team. So right now he's with the Jets. And so we're just hoping that everything uh, stays well with that, keep moving in that direction. And so I'm just anxious to keep moving uh, in the direction that's going to be able to combine my passions for practicing law, also my love for football. And so uh, one day, hopefully, you know, I can step away from law a little bit and, and focus mainly on being a sports agent because I love it. And it's the ability to combine both of my passions as it pertains to law, uh, negotiating contracts, and then dealing with football. And so that's kind of where I am now, and that's that's where I'm hoping to build. That's awesome. That's awesome. And if for the people that don't know, this dude had one of the sickest spin moves I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and what other people don't know is when I was a senior – he would have been a junior, okay? We had three sets of twins on our high school football team. Me and oh, my wow. brother, him and his brother, and then Ken and Rock, which are his cousins. But we had three sets yeah. of twins on our high school football team. I'll be. <laughs> All right, now, 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 now the question is, who was better? <laughs> so here's the deal. I will tell you this. I'll, I'll go through it. My brother was a lineman, okay? But he, he was small for a lineman, but he was pretty good. He'd mix it in there. Um, T could just—he had one of the sickest spin moves I've ever seen in my life. 
His brother was a defensive lineman and would absolutely just shoot a gap and blow stuff up in the backfield at the drop of a hat. Rock was our quarterback. And then Ken was an outside linebacker and would just absolutely knock your headgear off. Wow. And oh, then yeah. I played wide receiver. I played corner, but I was one of those corners like I'll go – I will go defend the pass, but don't ask me to defend the run type deal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Dang it. Hey, hey, Tyler, you remember, you remember that, that one practice, man, where um, I think this set precedent for our practices is when uh, I think Richard was being too too aggressive in practice and broke your ankle? Yes, I do remember that. It was – but here's the deal, and I've, I've looked back on that because it, it's just a freak accident, right? But we were – so we were coming out of a week where we had not – we won, but we didn't play very good, and we weren't as physical. Like, we hung our hat on being super physical, and we weren't. And I can remember coming back on that Monday, and I swear our offense would run goal line against, like, 15 people, and we were just smashing each other all day, wow. all week. And this is like, a Tuesday or Wednesday, and I got I broke my ankle in practice. Um, but wow. it was it was kind of that, that deal is it had been taught to, like, we're going to be physical, you know, and it just freak deal that happened. But, yeah. We had, we had some dudes. Oh my wow. god, we had some dudes. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. So I have a question about, and I wanted to get this in before I forget. With this college game going the way it is, and these NILs and stuff, do you think that that college programs or kids are going to need agents like soon, very soon? How do you think that may oh. play out? Absolutely. They already have agents. Gotcha. As, as it, yes, as it pertains to the NIL, the marketing deals, sponsorships, 100%. They already have agents. And the thing about it is there's a fine line uh, because the NFLPA doesn't have any regulations as it pertains to agents uh, being uh, their representatives as it pertains to marketing. And so uh, it's predatory because of what a lot of agents are doing. Because, uh, you know, otherwise, as an agent, you can't speak to these guys until until their eligibility has expired. Mm-hmm. So what they're so what they're doing is they're representing these guys on these marketing deals because you can do that right away. And if you've already forged that relationship with them on the marketing side and you're an agent three years later, they're going to sign with you. You already have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. OK, I, w- I was curious about that because I knew that that uh, and it, it is a fine line. Do I think it's something that probably need to happen for college players maybe um i think it's not a bad deal for them because but i I was just curious about that because i figured i figured that was going in that direction oh yeah certainly there you go so um kind of what is something that you have uh learned i know you very new to the nfl agent deal but what's some kind of stuff that you've that you've learned that you maybe didn't realize that goes on? Oh, man. So so one, one of the things that uh, I think I, I knew, um, but I just really kind of, uh, I guess, turned a, a blind eye to, and I was being a little bit more, I guess, optimistic and um, about this is as it pertains to the, the whole Power 5 programs, right? Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been in contact with guys. I represent guys who can absolutely play, mm-hmm. you know, um, but they're not playing in power five programs. These guys are just getting looked over. Whereas on the other side, I'm working with guys in power five programs who not even really, you know, produced as much mm-hmm. and maybe even not even uh, been a starter, may not even touch the field much at all this year, you know, as far as the last year. 
but they're getting all the shots. And so that's one of the things that's frustrating to me. Um, and I think just by notion of, you know, when we played ball, we played two-way ball. So we were accustomed to uh, being overlooked, you know, uh, you know, as opposed to the 4A and the 5A program. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I take particular issue with that, but it's something that I thought that, you know, wouldn't matter as long as, you know, you could show that a guy could absolutely play. You get him in front of uh, the right people, the right scouts, and maybe they get an opportunity because there's one guy that I represent right now, and truth be told, he's probably the one of the best players. He's a linebacker at Ball State, and he's the best guy, honestly, that I've seen play football. He's mm-hmm. one of the best people I've seen play football. But um, because of just by nature of where he's playing, the conference, the division that he's in, he's not getting those calls. He's not getting those same looks. So one yeah. thing I, I will say certainly is that, you know, Power 5, you know, it's, everybody understands that uh, to an extent. But through this process, I really, really learned that, you know, if you want – your kid or your loved one to exceed uh, expectations for them or uh, make it to the next level specifically in, in football, try your best to get them in a power five program. Yeah. And anyway, we talked about this previously on the podcast. Like it doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball, like take some of the best players in all three of those sports. There's other guys that were just as good as them walking around. They just never either got the opportunity or the opportunity never presented itself or whatever it may be because it's, um, you're right. I mean, it, I tell people this all the time. Like, maybe not necessarily LeBron James, but there, there's awesome basketball players walking around that play every day at the local YMCA, but they just never got the opportunity. Or baseball players that are just as good as guys on TV, but they either didn't get the opportunity or whatever. Because it is. I mean, it's there's a lot of luck that goes into it also, and mm-hmm. being able to um, get in front of those guys, and sometimes that just doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Get that exposure. These Power Five programs—they're paying. They're playing nationally televised games every weekend. You know, so that gives them that that platform, and it makes it easy for the scouts to hey, just turn on your TV and, and see who who's being talked about, what guys are playing on the weekends, and hey, there you go. Yeah, get with, them in the spotlight. With what you do, did you have to have uh, on top of your law degree, like to be an an NFL agent? Was there extra schooling or certification that went on for that? Yeah, so uh, in order to be certified through the NFL, uh, you have to have at least a master's level education, and then you sit for the certification exam. What I did was um, I applied for it, and obviously I already had obtained my master's and my law degree, so I didn't have any any issues as it pertains to the educational side of it. Uh, but there's a certification exam that they administer once a year, uh, and that's in June in D.C. And so it's 60 questions, if I can recall, 60 questions, uh, even open book to an extent will open notes and so uh, they administer that once a once a year but the thing about it is each year maybe 25 to 33 percent people of the people pass it and about 67 percent fail it every wow. single year wow. yeah so yeah it, it's, i would definitely uh, be in the 67 <laughs> yeah. percent um so with you that know, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off do you have any designs on doing any other sports and like representing any other sports or like just NFL. And if, if so, like, would it be another set of certifications that you would have to go through? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I I certainly have a, have an interest in, in basketball and maybe even baseball, but I think for now, for the uh, next few years, I'll focus on football. It's something that I know well, it's something that I've been a part of um, all my life. And so I think just naturally the interest and desire to want to be involved in it, it's there, so um, I'll, I'll make sure I, I get my foundation there. But I certainly do want to venture out into other areas. Maybe once I get the 
the NFL side the way I want it to be, then I can branch out and maybe even, uh, you know, kind of get linked up with other agents who are in those areas and figure out how that goes and, and then uh, move in that direction. But certainly in the event that I want to endeavor into NBA or NFL or whatever it may be, there's a whole new set of uh, certifications that'll be required. Right. Right. Very good. No, that's, and that makes sense. Um, but, um, no, that's awesome, man. I, I respect anybody that can, you know, the, the amount of school that it takes to, you know, be, be a lawyer. Then on top of that, go, you know, get the certification, the more school and basically, and more learning on top of that to, uh, to get, you know, to be certified to be an NFL agent. That's uh, yeah. it's pretty spectacular. Right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it, it, it took a lot for me to <laughs> hunker down and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and, and do this. And I think to your point, the reason why um, the passage rate, and this is just my own thinking, honestly, I, I have not done any uh, true research or there's no statistics or data out there. But uh, I guess my presumption is that, well, since it does require at least a master's level education, then naturally what that tells me that the people who are sitting for it are professionals and, and, and true adults in some capacity. So to me, that tells me that, well, their amount of time outside of what they do is limited. So they're not able to put in that same amount of time and attention to studying and preparing for that exam. And so that's why they fill it. Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, my, uh, my brother is a, he's an engineer. Um, and, you know, I, I just remember, you know, him having, you know, a full-time job going to school mm. and, you know, in this process, he got married, they had, a, they had their first kid and just, yeah, that's, that's tough, man. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, I, could not, that's, I could not imagine engineering. I thought I was going to be an engineer. I took C plus plus programming my sophomore year of college and uh, that, that all went down the drain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as, uh, as soon as they, you know, said how much math was going to be involved, I, I really revolved my, uh, my, um, what I wanted to do in school around how much math was involved. <laughs> yeah. my, all my, all my majors revolved around uh, as many times as I did the least amount of math possible. <laughs> yeah. I just had to get, had to get me and uh, had to get me and Wes Welker out of remedial math together. <laughs> when, you're, when you're coming to me for help on your math homework, you, you know, you're not good at it. Yeah. So, yeah, no offense I, to Wes because I know he's listening. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he is. <laughs> Dude, I tell you what, man. The only thing I know how to do, man, is call a lawyer. I don't know how to do none of it. <laughs> there you go. I tell you there what. There you go. Hey, I'll tell you. I, I, one thing I can say is I ain't been in too much trouble when I'm due. I know how to pick up the phone. That's, <laughs> that's, that's right, as far as it goes. So going to a lawyer. So I know you're a lawyer, but what kind of where? What do you kind of study? law in or what are you kind of what's your job based around specialty specialty there's the word yeah 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 so i actually um i do i practice civil law so mainly uh commercial litigation and personal injury and everybody says well what is commercial litigation so essentially it's business to business litigation so in the event that there's issues with shareholder litigation uh partnerships uh things like that i help businesses get their corporate documents filed i represent them in the event that they are sued or uh, there's some, another dispute with the business, um, helps them with the, any taxes and, that have been levied against them, fines that have been levied against them, things of that nature. So um, that's a part of my practice. And then another part, obviously, um, is personal injury, but also sports and entertainment. Perfect. That's perfect. Awesome. And you're you're kind of in the perfect spot for that, for all three of those. I'm not saying, like, cause just being where you're at in Houston, where there's a ton of 
get all there, there's there's professional teams on every almost mm-hmm. every in every sport or the main sports and then all the people down there and then all the business you're kind of at a perfect spot for all that oh oh yeah certainly um and that's kind of how i i picked it you know when i came in when i went into law school i didn't really have a, a desire to particularly practice in in any set area but i used my time in law school to kind of uh work intern at places and figure out what the market was and kind of what area i knew would be uh, more than likely a, an area that i could excel in and so that's kind of how i i ended up here in these areas that's awesome dude I've, I've only been down to houston probably four or five times since i've you know since i moved to the u.s anyway uh but i'll tell you what man um kima bro ah the boardwalk oh my gosh dude <laughs> food just yeah. lounge man let me tell you i did not want to leave houston yeah, so when if we I could just be there. So for sporting purposes cuz my kids are involved in 9 billion things, but like when we <laughs> go to tournaments like so the Woodlands, I if I was to move somewhere I love the Woodlands area. I love mm. that area. Um and then a couple of years ago we went I cannot remember the name. Of, it was it's south of Houston. I think it's in the Missouri City area, but they have this this baseball field called Savannah some I can't remember, but it's in this neighborhood. And you kind of go back through a neighborhood, and then all of a sudden you pop up on like uh, four, five, six baseball fields. They're all turf. The cages are covered. Like it's pretty awesome. I cannot remember the name. Name it. Savannah Plantation. Is that it? Sienna. 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 Plantation. Yes, there it is. Yeah, it's in in Missouri City. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that place was that yeah. that complex is amazing. But I love the woodlands. Oh yeah. There's another field of dreams out there too. Isn't yeah. And yeah, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, what what else? Um, on top of you know being a being a lawyer and a sports agent, um, I mean, what what all does that entail? Like, besides you know, like what is your what does your day to day operation look like? Uh, so so ordinarily, uh, I, I usually wake up like six o'clock and I'll go run three to five miles. I usually run about fifteen to twenty miles a week, and that's just kind of for me. One, it, I, it's healthy, but two, it's, it's therapeutic, and I kind of. Uh, plan out my days and my weeks like while I'm running a right. bit and um, and usually I'll come back home for a bit and, and usually I go to the office so I go to the office every single day every single day I work for myself and so I started my own practice maybe a, about a year and a half or so ago uh, creeping up on year two so I don't really have to be in the office but just right. to keep me disciplined uh, to keep me focused I go to the office every day I guess I'm still young enough in the profession to where I actually enjoy what I do so I don't mind going to the office, but I go to the office every day um, and kind of meet with my staff. We go over uh, our caseload, um, our expectations for the week, and it's usually on Mondays, obviously. Um, things that are outstanding, things that need to be, get done, uh, and we address them appropriately. And then with sports, I usually do sports when I get home. Uh, sports is a little bit less, um, I guess, formal. So um, it's one of those things where it's just mainly phone calls, text messages, and things like that. So throughout the day, um, scouts and um, general managers, they'll call me, they'll text me. Uh, very, very seldom uh, will they send an email because these guys are constantly moving, right? They're on the go. Yep. Um, about 90% of their uh, their year is consumed with traveling, and so uh, they're calling, they're texting, and so that's usually afternoon towards the evening part of the day. So I usually sit down and I'll, I'll handle calls and um, text messages, and if there's any emails or film and things like that that I need to send out, then I'll get that all taken care of towards the latter part of the day and um that's pretty much it for me like i said my brother he has three kids and so they're playing baseball and 
the girl she's in um, cheering and such and so that's what I usually do um, you know they, they keep me busy I'm just busy being an uncle uh, when I'm not working that's, I hear that, dude. That's well, awesome. I, first off, I got to commend you for uh, for the run. The only running I do, man, is to my car when I'm late for work. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, k- k- kudos to you for the workout, man. I got I got a full flexed uh, dad bod going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I felt the creeping. Like after, I think my uh, the first couple years out of law school, I was just I found myself in like a sedentary state. I'm just working and just eating. I was like, yeah, and I saw myself gaining weight, and I said, no, I can't, I can't let that happen. And so, uh, for the last several years, I guess five, six years now, I've been uh, committed uh, to running and, and exercising and making sure that I, I stay in shape and, and you know, physically, but then also, you know, the, the physical and the mental. I think there's a, a pretty strong connection between the two. So mm-hmm. I try to stay as active as I can. Absolutely, and I like that you go to the office because, like, it's one of those deals where you you don't have to. You don't. You could just you know do it from the house but going there making sure everything's in alignment i'm sure you hire great people that can handle it when you're out there but to me i work from home um and the whole company works from home but i know my boss does a very good job of of touching base with everybody and making sure because you just you know you never know um so it's all I'm, i'm it's cool that you go in and you know you could you don't have to but you do and it's it's making sure that it's still a a well oiled machine when you're not there Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. And I, and I enjoy still, you know, going to the office, opening that door uh, to the suite and seeing, you know, my, my dad's last name on the wall. You know, my dad, I mean, he made so many sacrifices for, you know, for me and my brother, you know, all throughout his life for us to have an opportunity to go to college, to uh, get an education and to make something of ourselves. He, he taught us the most basic elements of life and how to be a man and how to carry yourself as a man in this world, specifically as a, a minority man. And so... Um, I don't take it for granted that, you know, uh, I've been able to accomplish a lot of things that many people, you know, my age and my demographic haven't been because I've had just an exceptional human being as a father. So I still find joy in going to the office and just seeing my dad's name on that wall. Yeah. yeah Amen, man. That's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I can relate to that a little bit. You know, I moved, uh, you know, I moved from England to the U S in 05 and you know, it, it's kind of a, took my dad you know, in his, 40s mm-hmm. right like to move here across the world and it, it's a huge blow when you lose not only the tenure that you've built at the job that you were very good at and to sacrifice mm-hmm. all of that to, to move himself and my brother uh and myself across the world mm-hmm. and to set roots somewhere um mm. you know hats off to, to to my family my dad my my bonus mom and uh, and my mom, you know, for, for allowing all this stuff to happen, um, you know, my parents were divorced when I was, you know, about 11 or 12 years old. And, uh, you know, coming here and seeing all that stuff come to life, you know, my dad made the decision to come to the United States, a land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it takes someone who doesn't live in it every day to understand what opportunity you have right in front of you mm-hmm. and what's up for grabs. Because I'll tell you this. If I had been back home, there's no way, and I and I and I say this as honestly as possible. I love my hometown. I love I love Newcastle. I love where I was grown, where I was born and raised, and 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 I love every bit of it. But I will tell you this: there's no way I would have the house I have today, the cars I have today, the freedom that I have today, the kids, my wife. Like none of this stuff would have happened, and I wouldn't be on the the the, the path that I'm on professionally and, and personally 
if I didn't, if this move didn't happen and, and hats off to my dad and, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for mm-hmm. making that move, it's huge. And it, it, that's the only relation that I can have to, to kind of what you were speaking of, but you know, it mm-hmm. does, it, it's, it's understanding what's in front of you and working hard and understand that, Hey, you have an opportunity in front of you and it's all about what you take advantage of and how mm-hmm. you can move forward with it. So, Hey man, it's a great oh, yeah. story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that. No, <clears throat> I want to, so, you know, this is, loosely a sports podcast um and you know speak a little bit if you will on the the culture and the environment you try to create in your office with your employees because we that that loose you know that kind of ties back into i guess you know being a coach and maybe how you were coached or how you were taught you know playing football um you know if if there the correlation between the two and how you go about now being essentially a coach, you know, and a, a leader of people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. I think uh, the most foundational aspect of uh, the work environment, specifically uh, what I do and, and what most of us do is, is teamwork, right? I mean, that's one of the things that, um, you know, you learn early on is, is teamwork and not, not to be so isolated uh, but to make sure that we're working toward goals and we're all contributing in a way that's going to be beneficial for the whole um, because it's not about um, the individual. It's, it's about collectively meeting goals and meeting outcomes. And I think that the more we work together towards that, and I've certainly um, seen that in my own office, but the more I facilitate a more uh, inclusive teamwork environment, then the better we are collectively and, and the easier we are, we are able to meet our goals. And then I also have a, a saying in my office, you know, and I think it's kind of, uh, sports driven is, is that we, we're competitive uh, but we're compassionate you know because you come in and you, you want to crush goals you want to go forth you want to compete and compete and compete uh, but not at the expense of your integrity not at the expense of being a human yeah. and understanding that what it. we do is we work with we work with people for a living and we can't be so motivated by the dollar and mean outcomes that we forget that hey we're working with people and, and everything that we do is, is to make it a better world yeah we get paid for it and it's obviously uh, while we're here but at the core of what we do is working with people so i tell them hey always be competitive but at the end of the day let's remember to be compassionate dude no, that's that's so fantastic <laughs> because you know i can directly tie that in and correlate that to like what you know tyler and i do as coaches is you know we tell these kids like listen it's it's not about winning Mm-mm. it's not always about winning winning is important and it always will be but the the lessons that you get mm-hmm. from just being a teammate, you know, playing a team sport, mm-hmm. the lessons that you learn mm-hmm. from losing and not always winning. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just how right. how to do things the right way, how to be a good human, how to be a good teammate, how to be a team player, how to operate within an environment where it's not about just yourself. Yeah. You know, right. and mm-hmm. no, that's that's absolutely yeah, and I, I, the thing I love about that the most is don't don't let it get in the way, and don't let it ever question your integrity. Yeah, and that's what I teach. You know, that, you know, I've I've got, I don't report. You know, don't have a lot of people that report to me. You know, about thirty five or so. Or, well, actually, I'm, I'm up to about eighty mm-hmm. at this point. But um, out of all of them, I was like, look, we can we can afford to make mistakes, but just don't allow those mistakes to ever question your integrity. Mm-hmm. And right. as long as you do that, look, we can walk through any gate. Uh, we can walk through any door. We can cross any bridge together. 
but we can't cross that bridge together if you do anything that's going to question your integrity and your loyalty to the business. Yeah. And that's huge. That's right. That's right. For sure. Yep. And, and, and that's that was the whole deal behind this podcast was, um, you know, I have my 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 daily job, but then I give hitting lessons in the evenings and, and coach youth teams, and, and so does Zane. And it's just like trying to tell these and teach these kids um, it is not. It, we're we're here to work on baseball, but it's not about this. It's it's one hundred percent. I mean, we all all I care about is that when you get older, you are a productive human being, and mm-hmm. you are a good person. the The sports, yeah. Well, hopefully we get to play it as long as we can. But unfortunately, there's going to be somebody at some point to tell you you're not good enough to play anymore. We've all went down that path. Um, Some sooner than others. I mean, after my second year of college, I found out real fast that I could teach it better than I could do it, and I couldn't play anymore. And I was being told that I couldn't play anymore. And so I got into the coaching aspect. And, of course, I don't coach in high school anymore, but I coach, you know, youth kids. But it's just trying to get them to understand the bigger picture. Like, it's not about this sport. Like, we're playing this sport because it's fun and we're going to learn but there's so much more that goes into it that you can take for the rest of your life because unfortunately um most people don't get to play their whole life they don't and that's why you know i saw um an opportunity to get in and and make sure that these kids understood that just seeing one you know uh the the recklessness that's by which some of them live their lives how they, they mismanage their funds you know like you have an opportunity to go in and change the the way of your life, you know, not just at your level, but, you know, uh, throughout generations. And so I try to tell them, hey, look, you have a a great opportunity. And they look at me and say, hey, you know, because these guys, 21, 22 years old, well, I'm 35 now. And they say, well, hey, man, you know, uh, you made a good life for yourself. And they're like, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind being like you. And I tell them, you know, that's the importance of understanding that, you know, sports is not the end all be all. Because truth be told, you know, I can look back and they can look back and say, well, you know, I made a life for myself, but I'm just another guy whose life didn't pan out in football. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. for sure. you, know you know, you can, you can look at it that way, and, and that's the reality. Is, hey, sports didn't work out for me, but I say that to say that that's not the end all be all for most of us. For you sure, know, I, I didn't dare to say about ninety percent of us is just a means to an end, and you gotta at some point you have to come into reality and accept that. Well, you know, uh, at some point your gift, there's a saying in, in, in my community that your gift will make room for you. They'll, they'll allow you to, to be in the places that you need to be in order to uh, fulfill yourself and, and make the, the greatest of your life. And, and, and it's not always going to be an end with sports. That's just the reality. For some of yeah. us, it's just a gateway. And I try to get them uh, to understand that. And that's what I like so much about this group of kids and me coming in when I did. I, I just think, honestly, that it was divine intervention uh, because with the, with the COVID year, what happens is all of these guys are in school at least five, six years. So every single one of the guys that I'm working with already had a college degree, mm-hmm. you know, so so I could talk with them and mentor them and let them know that, hey, look, you know, if, if, you're, if you want to talk about business, if you want to talk about life and, and values and, and, and being a man, then we can do that also because you have an opportunity outside of sports uh, to do that. So over the course of, you know, uh, the training process, while I had these guys here, working out and training for the combine and for the pro day, I made sure that they met with uh, business on I made sure that they met with financial advisors. I made sure that they met with international bankers and people, 
you know, who could help them as, a, you know, from a professional standpoint. Because That's I want awesome. them to understand that, you know, NFL, everybody knows it stands for not for long. You yeah, no, no. <laughs> you may be there, what, three years? May. You yeah, no, that's... You may last three years. Yeah, so I have another question for you. Are Do you, speaking on that subject, um, do you have to kind of put some egos in check, kind of be the guy, um, speak, let's speak in hypotheticals, that, you know, you said that guy for Ball State, you know, the best football player you've ever seen. Let's just say that, um, you know, you have another client and, you know, he's, he comes to you and says, I think I'm, you know, I want this, this kind of money for this many years. I mean, do you have to be the guy to say, I'm like, you're, mm-hmm. you're not that guy. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, cause I have, you know, I mm-hmm. coach, I've coached a group of like 17, 18 year olds and every year I give them a piece of paper. I was like give me a list of five schools you would like to play at and give me a list of five schools that you think you could play at. And without fail, like I'll get a kid that was like, Oh, Vanderbilt, Florida, Miami, Florida state, (laughs) Texas. And I have to sit there and like, be like, dude, I was like, there's, you're, you're not that good. Like, I'm sorry. Like Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd be hard pressed to go over here to like Brookhaven or something like that. And, crack the starting lineup like yeah. you're you're mm-hmm. not that guy like do you have to do that oh yeah so um you know i i think more so for me it's on the front end it's the vetting process um because truth be told i don't want to work with anybody where i have to do that with i, I want to make sure that i'm working with people whose values and morals you know align with mine uh because you know i don't have kids for a reason you know, so right. <laughs> I don't want to take 20, somebody, somebody else's 22-year-old kid and, and have to, to babysit, so to speak. But that's also, uh, you know, ironically that you mentioned it, is the reason why I wanted to make sure that I had everything set as far as my foundation as a lawyer and my career. Because that way, I'm not dependent or relying upon any income as a sports agent. I'm just here for the better making of men. And so I don't have to compromise my values. I don't have to deal with unnecessary things in order to make sure that a kid gets a contract so that my family can eat at night. Right. You know, so no, absolutely. Um, I, I don't I don't have I don't have to worry about that. But um, there are, you know, little situations that come along um, and you do have to have those hard conversations. Uh, but for the most part, I've not. And again, you know, obviously I've been um, licensed for six months, six months now. So I haven't had to, to really deal with that. Uh, just maybe mm-hmm. a little bit on a nominal level, um, but I have not. I have not really had to to deal with that. And even the guys, you know, that I'm working with now, that um, whose name, you know, have not been called. You know, like right now, I still have guys who who've not been invited to a mini count with the team, and so I'm speaking with them, and they're still positive and and optimistic. And so I appreciate them uh, for maintaining, uh, you know, that 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 positive perspective and not turning into those guys they very well could but i think again that that's the importance of uh not just signing guys but to have a vetting process whereby you speak with them you know over time you get to know who they are uh you speak with their parents you know that way you can see the environments from which they come and then also you know that way you you can make a a pretty good decision and so i've I've had my my share of kind of uh i guess battles for lack of a better uh, better word with that because i said well you know i want to make sure uh that i'm picking people you know, who I know whose values and integrity align with mine, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I said, well, you know, the, the work is 
in the people who's don't, you know? Well, right. It's like, that's, that's, you, that's where the work is. Right. You're representing them, but they're also representing you. That is your name. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, you, you got to be careful with, you know, what kind of, you know, people that, you know, just like, like a college going and getting, you know, a, a turd head, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that's going to, you know, oh, shine yeah. them in a bad light. Like you got to, yeah, it's like, it's like a coach. You can't put your name on a kid that you know is going to show up and not do the right things. I mean, you can't put your name on that. Nobody will trust you the rest of the way. Exactly. Yep. And you find that, I found that early on. The one guy we were, I was working with, with another agent, we were, we were collabing and working with a guy and we started seeing uh, certain qualities. And so very early on, we decided, you know, you know what, let's, let's not do this yeah. you know uh, good good luck to you but uh it's not it's just not gonna work and, and i have a pretty high tolerance i can deal with some stuff uh, but when it looks like a person is just incorrigible and you're not going to be able to reach him you know you gotta decide to to let him go because there's other people who who's, who his energy is taken away from him. and i'd rather focus on the people uh who, who's dedicated to the process and who's committed and, and to help them as opposed to spending unnecessary energy trying to whip some grown child in shape absolutely yeah, for yeah. sure so I want to switch gears a little bit because I want you to talk about this. So I've known you my entire life as Marceau Owens, but you have added a second last name. Can you give us the backstory on that? I know a little bit, but I don't know all of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because n- nobody does. And it, it was a very, 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 very uh, difficult thing for me. Um but essentially, uh, all my life, Marcel Owens has, has been my name. Uh, but my, my dad's last name is McCray. Uh, and so um, whatever the situation was uh, when we were born and early on, uh, we didn't carry my brother and I. We didn't carry my dad's last name. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the people who know us, my dad raised, raised us as a single father. Correct. <laughs> so, Correct. Yes. Um, so as I got older, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of insulting um for me to not carry my dad's last name and again all the sacrifices that he's he's made and i wanted to make sure that you know as i moved and progressed in life um that the things that are associated with what i've been able to accomplish through my father's efforts were recognized by way of his last name and not the last name of my mom or, or whoever else it may be but really it was it was mainly uh one uh paying homage to my dad but also understanding that one day I will have a wife and kids. And so I need to make sure that my legacy, my father's legacy is accurately preserved. And so I, I made that decision and it was very difficult for me because, you know, just take the, the semantics out of it. You know, Marcel Owens is, is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just who I've been all my life. You know, when you go back to uh, all the archives, you look up uh, stats, you look up the things from high school, my accomplishments, they're going to say Marcel Owens, you know, um, but uh, and, and, I, and I didn't want Marcel McCray, you know, to, to be lost, uh, so to speak, um, because if you look up Marcel McCray, you're not going to find anything. But uh, at, at one point, you know, I prayed about it and prayed about it. And I decided that, well, you know, the future uh, of my family and my legacy is more important than the past. And so uh, I changed it about a year and a half ago. Well, about two years. Actually, it'll be two years uh, this summer. I went on ahead and I and I changed my last name to uh, pay homage to my dad and the sacrifices that he made and also um, just you know making sure that moving forward that whenever I did have a wife and, and kids that they carried uh, my last name that was given to me and, and that's my blood which is which is my dad's 
that, that's why I wanted you to. T- I just I I knew a little bit, but I just wanted to, I, I I thought it'd be cool for you to tell that story because I I think it's awesome. Um, so in just a little bit because we we've, we've wanted to touch base on this on the podcast and we really haven't had um the right guest to dive into this, but I feel like you are the one. So, you know, you are a minority. Mm-hmm. And, but to kind of go through, kind of give us a little bit of that, because, I mean, we we are not, but I know that you guys deal with stuff that we don't on a daily basis. and mm-hmm. And you have you know, your whole life. Just give us a little bit of that because we wanted to touch base on this and we just haven't really, uh, we either run out of time or we haven't had particular guests on that either wanted to or we just haven't really. So it's just kind of give us a little bit. Okay, yeah. Man, you know, uh, I remember I was about, I had to be about seven. I think I may have been, no, I was a little old. I was about eight or nine years old. And I remember one day um, I was with my sister's my older sisters and they said hey you know come in we can't go out we can't go outside today uh, and i don't know if you you remember it i know y'all, I know y'all live a little bit outside of the city but i was eight or nine years old so that that mean it had to be about 95. they had a uh the clan walk through the city you know <laughs> you know, I, I, I so i again were were from this you know that that's why i wanted to get into this i vaguely remember hearing about that but yeah we did live a little bit out but of course you know i just but yes go ahead i do i do vaguely remember that for sure yeah so so early on you know uh, as a kid you know being a minority specifically you know in in deep east texas uh you learn that you know you're not like quote unquote everyone else and you know there's certain people you know who are gonna uh judge you there's certain people who are gonna stereotype you there's certain people uh, who, who are not going to treat you the same way. And so, I mean, that that's obviously something um, that took place in, in East Texas. I mean, it, it's as simple as, um, you know, the dating. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't talk to, I mean, just growing up is just crazy now that I that just think about it as, a, as an adult. But, I mean, if you're African-American male, you don't talk to white girls. I mean, they're not, it's, it's not happening. They're not happening. You know, I, I mm-hmm. mean, I remember instances where uh, a parent came to the school you know, <laughs> and and confronted me in the bleachers one time and ended up withdrawing her daughter from the school. I was like, I don't, hey, okay. You know, I was, yeah. what, 14? I think I was, may have been 14 years old, and she had gone to the uh, principal and, you know, tried to make a complaint. But fortunately for me, you know, there, there's people, you know, um, who are wholesome and, and right people. And so she tried to make a complaint, and, you know, the staff wouldn't say anything but, but good things because, at the end of the day, my, my character spoke for itself. I never, I didn't get into trouble. I, I never drank. I didn't do drugs. You know, I came in. I, I did my schoolwork, and I went to practice, played sports, and did what I had to do. But those are the types of things that you know permeated our existence uh, coming up. You know, and uh, being pulled over. I mean, I've, I've been harassed. I've been pulled over millions of times. Uh, specifically coming up, you know, a cop pulled me over one time. He asked what my name was. I told him my last name. He asked. Um, do you know so and so who were uncles um, in my family? And he asked where the drugs were. <laughs> he asked where the drugs were. I was like, I don't. I've never dealt with drugs. And he said. And then he brought a dog because he didn't believe me and brought a dog and it searched my car for about uh, 15 minutes. Scratched up the inside of my car. Scratched up the outside of my car. And then he proceeded to say, well, I'll get you next time. I was like, this is crazy. Like I've never 
to this, I've never dealt with drugs. I've never mm-hmm. done anything that would that would lead to me being uh, involved in any type of criminal situation. But those are the types of things that that we deal with. Even just the, the microaggressions. You know, when I run, when I to this day, when I walk down the street, you're walking down the sidewalk, you look up and you see certain people who don't look like you. They clench their purses, they grab their their bags, and they move completely to the other side of the street. Walk to the other side of the sidewalk. You know, in efforts to just avoid you as if you know there's something that you may you know may do to them you know things like that are honestly they're, they're commonplace you know with people who come from you know my environment uh but ultimately i think that you know at this day and age that we're all kind of moving in a in a new direction um but those are just the types of things that that we deal with it, it is hard man right, but that, that's but why i wanted hard. to ask you because just that's the nature we we don't have to deal with that right and that's why i wanted to ask you that because like in our neighborhood, me and Steven are neighbors, and, like, literally, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, mm-hmm. like, there will be 9,000 kids outside playing, yeah. and... From all walks of life. From all walks of life, but, and, and, and you know, that's what I want to tell you, like, it's not, it's not yeah. like that, you know, but, but I also, and Steven knows this, and I'm not going to say names, but our kids were playing hide-and-go-seek one night. And they're hiding in between houses, but we're having to look out for other kids that are not white because we're like, like the the perception, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, and like, yeah. you feel yeah. like you're having to watch yeah. out for those kids. The kids are just playing hide and go seek in the dark. It was during and the we pandemic, and yeah. we were out there, but they're, yeah. and they're just having fun, and they're in between the houses. But you're almost like, hey, like only hiding these certain places because you're almost having to think you have to. To, to, you're, to you're, look out for the kid, you know you, what I'm saying? You're assuming someone else's negative thoughts, right? Correct. Like you're, that's, Absolutely. That's, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're assuming yeah. somebody else's negative thoughts, and I think I think for me, it's like it's it's all in your upbringing, man. Mm-hmm. Like for us and, and the oh, generation yeah. behind me, right? Like the generation behind me and Tyler and you and and Zane and you know we have to instill in our kids that man, like it's not, you know, a book is a book, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not going to know what's inside that book until you read it. Yes, and. Right. You know, the, the pages and the words that come out of that book are more important than what you what it looks like on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. my kids, dude, grow up, you know, I, I I come from a whole interracial family. So for me, it's a heck of a lot easier for me to just adapt mm-hmm. and be okay. But mm-hmm. for most, it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't understand it. I will never yeah. understand it to this day why it is... That we have to talk about the same things over and over and over mm-hmm. again, and it hasn't just sunk in that like you know we're we're all creatures of God, mm-hmm. and we're walking this earth to serve a purpose, and that purpose is mm-hmm. to praise Him and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. if you can't look at it that way, then dude, you're missing out on a whole bunch of life, man. But I, I think and that hate's going to take you someplace the, that ain't ain't, it's ain't the, the right definition place. of insanity: doing the same things over and over and over and getting the same results. Yeah. And at some point. There has to be a different way, right? Yeah, yeah. You 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 think, man? You you think, and that's honestly, uh, to be quite frank, Tyler. I, that's one of the reasons why um, I, I don't see my family as much because that place. I'm um, just from an emotional perspective, and even looking back as an adult, you know, now you're able to just see more vividly how certain things were done and why certain things were done a way that when you were 13, 14 years old, you didn't understand. But now I'm looking back, it's just just hurtful. You know, it's just a lot of, I'm be honest, there's a lot of pain and yeah. resentment that I have from going up in that place. And now I'm just looking back, you know, at how uh, things were. And honestly, 
even to this day, like one of the things like my dad talked about it. My dad, he, um, you know, the courthouse finishes on the square, you know, uh, my dad is 76. So when he was younger, in fact, my dad never went to a, an integrated high school. When he graduated high school, he was in, he was out, he was gone before integration ever happened. And so, you know, that courthouse that sits on the square by the post office and mm-hmm. across from uh, the bank, my dad had to go to the basement down there to use that restroom. Mm-hmm. But you know, when, when, it was, when it was time for the war and he was wow. drafted to go fight for, in Vietnam, they swore me in up top. You know, just think about that as yeah. a human being. Yeah. You have to go to the basement to use a restroom, but then they can draft you and make you go swear in to fight for, for this nation in Vietnam. And that was the most, for me, that's just the most paradoxical thing to even think about. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen a lot of things in my life, you know, and I haven't been on this earth a whole lot of time. But, man, I'll tell you what, dude, I, I still never understand, dude. Like, hate, hate is a painful thing to deal with. Um for for a human being anyway um and if you yeah. carry hate with you everywhere that you go man you're missing out on a whole bunch of things man like say so it's the same thing with kids right oh, like when you look think about kids you 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 have you have realistically five pivotal years with with a child five years and and i know that sounds like crazy like well you have your child for 18 years well don't no, you have five pivotal years you have from the time they're born to the time they're five years old where they need you mm-hmm. all the way through and whatever you do during that time is going to be influenced upon them for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy for some, but it, it's super important that those first five years of a child's life, they have to be able to adapt and they have to be able to understand that everybody is created equal mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. your creatures are God. That's it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it starts as early as that, that young. And I don't think people understand that the, the, the true you know, requirement it is for, for a parent to understand how crazy those years are for a child to change the narrative that is in the world today. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hey, I'll get off, I'll get off my soapbox though. Well, no, I just, know? I just wanted to, we, we've wanted to, to have someone speak on that and I just felt like you were and, the, the right person. Yeah. And not feel threatened by it. Right. Like, cause we, we, we want to learn, you know, we want to open up the doors for other people to learn. Yeah. It too, that's right? what this podcast is about yep. is just to, to listen yeah. and learn and, and talk about whatever. And it's a podcast we can talk about. Whatever we want. To oh talk yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that's the, the only way, you know, that we can get through these things is to create good positive uh, discourse. Yeah, I mean, it has to. It has to happen, and I think that's one of the things um, that kind of hindered, you know, previous gener- generations because this stuff, a lot of this stuff was taboo. Even people, you know, who wanted to speak out and just saying, you know, even let's say majority people, you know, like it's hard even for them to to speak because one, hey, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to ask the wrong question, but you genuinely have a desire to try to figure out how we can bridge this mm-hmm. gap. But I understand it on the other side, it's hard because you want to, you know, kind of be respectful. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you want to be productive. And so you're kind of at a stalemate. Because yeah. <laughs> because you want yeah. To, nobody, sure. no, so, nobody wants to open up the yeah. door. So I guess my yeah. question to you then, because, you know, because you were upbringing all that stuff, do you think that's what led you to do the profession that you do today? Yep. One hundred percent. There's not a question about it. Uh, 100%. Um, just, just seeing the, the statistics, uh, the things that I had to deal with and experience, you know, um, as, as a youngster and specifically, uh, and I, I'll never forget it when the officer told me that I'll, I'll get you next time. I mm-hmm. never forgot that. Uh, and it, coincidentally, 
that officer went to prison himself <laughs> about <laughs> hey and car- i was like car- so i remember it yeah karma's not a bee well, she's a mirror you know what i mean like that's that's that's, that's, that's just the way it is you know what i mean Yep, he went. He went to federal prison. Uh, probably about down about five or six years ago. I, I'll never, I'll never forget that. I yeah. thought that was very ironic. Yeah, it's it, it's very. it's crazy, man. <laughs> I, I I've, you know, I've often wondered, you know, at times, you know, I've got, you know, my nephew who's interracial and and he he struggles with. I wouldn't say he struggles with it. You know what I mean? He's kind of grown up around a whole bunch of people, but you know, you often wonder like when is the right time to have a conversation about like, hey, man, the decisions that you make right now, somebody's going to view those decisions as. A hell of a lot worse than they really are yeah um mm-hmm. and i don't you know i'm not the one you know as an uncle his or whatever to, to, to really bring that to light but you know it's it's crazy to me like i said to, to even think that these things go on but um you know for, I, I still you know holding true to my faith i still believe that there are there, there there's two good men for every one bad man you know what i mean oh I, for I, sure i still believe yeah. that uh, holistically, I still believe that there's, there, there's, you know, I, I think the problem that with the world today is, you know, we've lost core values as human beings of what it, what it means to be on this earth and what representation we hold when we're here. And that's, that's the oh, problem. Yeah. It, it's missing. It's gone. It's lost. Um, you know, you, you go back, you know, even if you, you know, eliminate, you know, the whole racial divide that we have and that we're dealing with in this country right now or, you know, even go, however long you want to go back. If you take that out of it completely, right, on mm-hmm. both sides of the spectrum, whatever race you come from, you know, 50, 80 years ago, you know, faith was huge. Mm-hmm. And today it's not. Right. No. And I still think that's right. why we're talking about the same things that we talked about years ago. Mm-hmm. We made progress, mm-hmm. and then it's become stagnant. And it's become but, stagnant because nobody wants to open up the conversation. Nobody wants to understand no. that we're we're here for a purpose, and then we have to look at each other equal. When there's two things that that I think about, there's hardly any any accountability anymore. Doesn't matter what you do, how you do. There's hardly any accountability anymore. And then it's just mm-hmm. the the there's a right way trophies. to do things, and there's a wrong way to do things. And we just completely now there's this humongous gray area, right? There's no right or wrong way. It's a gray area where we can meet in the middle. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's just, uh, no, there's the right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, so, so, so Marcel, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like it's, it's, it's relative as we come to kind of like the closing few minutes of the podcast, right? If you were to inspire, you know, people of all nationalities to look at somebody different, and give them like words or encourage words of encouragement or whether it's direction to, to, to really make change, what would you give them? Uh, the, the main thing I'd say is uh, one, one stay grounded in who you are, uh, because I think, you know, to be, to be quite frank, um, I'm just a, a spiritual person. It's the way I was raised. And I think that God uniquely placed us all here for a divine reason. And I think a part of that is just bringing who you are uniquely uh, to the world and you uniquely to the world is going to be the change. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like me. There's nobody like Tyler and so on and so forth. And so I think uh, the main thing is is, is being uh, committed to who you are, understanding who you are, and bringing who you were created in God uh, to the world. Wow. I like it. Powerful. I love so it. So this is something we do on this podcast, so I have to do it. If you are manning the grill or in the kitchen, what is your go-to meal? Ooh, on the grill or the kitchen. Ah, well, 
usually not in the kitchen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it already. You're you got taste buds going. There's certain there's certain um, values growing up in East Texas that I'm still trying to to to, to bring out of me as it pertains to the kitchen. <laughs> 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 but uh, on the grill, uh, one of my favorite things. Um, to grill, uh, to get on that grill, man, it, it's gonna be without without question, man. That beef rib, I love oh, dude. Uh, oh, a, yeah. good, a good beef rib, man. That's that's it for me because I try to stay away from from pork, uh, but that that beef rib, man, that is that is it for me. I like oh, it, dude. Let me tell you, man. So so what? What's what's what? What's the grill, man? We're all black stoners now, man. What 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 grill are we using? <laughs> you hit it on the head. There you go. Got it. Boom. And my, actually, my brother is the one who, who turned me on to it. So we'll give uh, that credit to, to well, me. If, to I'm telling brother, you right now, if yeah. you were ever in the Dallas area, mm-hmm. so on su- not every Sunday morning, but the occasional Sunday morning, we'll invite Zane too because he hasn't been yeah. over yet. Yeah, I'll but believe it when I see Literally that. on Sunday mornings sometimes when, when we have a free time, Stephen will roll his Blackstone over to my garage or vice versa. We'll get the Blackstones going, and we will have crepes. Pancakes, like six pounds of gosh dang bacon, sausage, sausage. eggs, the whole nine yards. You name it. Fruit. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> talk about a spread, dude. We could feed this. We we could feed a small army, man. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> which, or, or just which Tyler's is, family. Is it, the four, is it the four burner? Oh, dude, yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I just, I just I did fried rice and teriyaki chicken, man, a week ago. Let me tell you. Blackstone's life, man. Skill, man. Oh my Fried goodness! Rice takes some skill. Yeah, I yeah, I, my I, first time trying to cook it. I got it down to a science now, man. I got it down to an art, man. I'm telling you right now, man. I'm, you, I'm you, 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 all I'm missing is the hat, man, and all them extra skills with them <laughs> things, man. You know what the way they throw the throw that egg in their hat, man. You know. <laughs> hey, I got, I, I got hibachi right here in my garage. There you go. It don't look as good as they do, but no, by God, I try. It tastes good though. Yeah, yeah it's it good to for sure. All about the end. All about the end goal. That's right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, one last question for you, man. What's the, what's the NFL team? What are we who are we supporting? What's that? What's the NFL team and who are we supporting? The NFL team that I support. Yeah. Well, now he supports oh, all man. thirty-two. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone I can get one of these guys on. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, the you, conservative you'll, you'll, you'll answer. <laughs> yeah, you'll find it's uh, pretty ironic, maybe. Uh, you may wonder why, but my, my team is the Detroit Lions. Man. Always has been this kid. Has, Are you This serious? dude has been a Detroit Lions fan since I can remember, and I've known him pretty much my, since T-ball. Are you serious? Yes. Detroit Lions. Okay, Detroit first Lions, off, so, so let me ask you a question. And he wore number 20 in football, Are, too. Are you happy that Matt Stafford got a Super Bowl? Not with yes. the Lions? Yes. Okay. I, I, yes. Didn't, I didn't know how that whole dynamic would work, man. Because you know so, what I mean? Like, you've seen that yeah. AT&T commercial where he's like, you know, even if you love your home yeah. and you've been there all your life, mm-hmm. but you go to a new home <laughs> and, like, this is where you want to be and you get instant success. I mean, it's a great commercial. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know yeah, what that would look see, like. He deserved a win. He, you know, and everybody asks that. Uh, and, and true Detroit Lions fans. The, the consensus is yes because he deserved to win Dude, for sure he's, he, he, we, he, he was he so good there he was so he's, he's we, so good me and Tyler talked about Matt Stafford for years and like if Matt Stafford in the right in the right setting uh, wins Super Bowls mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. proved it um, so all right man so so that, and then the question becomes man are, are you okay with the coaching staff you got and if you would have put a prediction on the record 
What's the prediction for the season this year? Not not okay with the coach that we have. I'm, I'll be honest. Um, I think he's just way too uh, rough around the edges and, and not realistic. I you know, I, I watched throughout the season many times he makes uh, emotional decisions when it comes to plays. You know, and mm-hmm. you know Detroit is not the type of team uh, that you can go out and win games off emotion because mm-hmm. usually they're lacking in talent. You know, so uh, honestly, I, I do. I will say this: I like. Uh, some of the pickups that we got uh, this year, specifically uh, Rodriguez, Malcolm Rodriguez, the mm-hmm. linebacker from Oklahoma State. Um, I like Good linebacker um, too. receiver James. I like the receiver that we picked up. Um, Williams out of uh, Alabama. I think uh, they're moving in the right direction. Uh, golf, oh, man, indifferent about about golf. Uh, yeah, but I all in all, I, I think I think we'll I think we'll win uh, about. Five to seven games. That's what I was about. I was about to say six and eleven is what I would say. Yeah. So my deal is this: with the head coach y'all got, this is where. This is why there's a ton of assistant coaches that don't make good head coaches because as an assistant you can be emotional, Mm -hmm. and you can get your guys where they need to be. But as a as a head coach, you almost have to be that even kill guy, so that doesn't happen. And that's why you see, I, th- I think, why you see a ton of assistant coaches that have to end up taking that head job and they go back to being an assistant. Yeah. And they're a very good assistant. They're just not a great head coach. It's it's balanced between, like, making the right decision for the team and understand what the player requires. Mm-hmm. That's a hard balance right. to find, man. Because you, you you got a bunch of – look, we call them divas. You call them whatever you want, man. They're players that are hungry to play. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they mm-hmm. need to understand that they need to stay in their lane to be more productive for the team. Yeah. And that's a hard balance to yeah. find because you want to force them the ball. You want to do these things. You want to put them in plays that they really don't need to be in. And that's a hard balance to have. And that's what a head coach's job is, yeah. man. It's that it's, it's what we call partner customer balance, right? Which is like this, this huge thing where, where do you find the balance between both mm-hmm. and what's right for the player and what's right for the team? Yep. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it's, and it's hard for me to say that because Dan Campbell, he's, he's a Texas boy. He's from Texas. He played at A&M. You know, um, but yeah, it, it's just uh, he, he's he's in the way. I think he's I legitimately believe that he's just in the way, and, and he'd probably be be better served with <laughs> in a All support right. role. For sure. well, special got, teams, special teams. Well, I got one last prediction for you, man, right here, dude. I'm gonna I'm, I'm, hey, I'm starting early, dude. What, right. what are we in? What is it? May? May? What are we? May ninth? I don't Tenth? know. What May, it is. May something? May ninth, right? Yeah, May ninth today. Yep. So look, here's what I'm gonna tell you: the Dallas Cowboys go 13. And four? Wins and four losses this Ooh. year. 13-4. And I got them making the NFC Championship. Ooh. Already. Mm. Done and done. Sign me up because here's what's going to happen, dude. Dak's going to come in a little bit more hot. The Dallas Cowboys, I'm telling you right now, dude, I got I got this in the back of my mind, seeing the Stars do what they are doing right now, the Mavericks doing what they're doing. I just have this weird feeling the Mavericks are going to go to the NBA Finals. And the Dallas Cowboys are going to the NFC Championship. Right. Mark my words. There you go. That's a, that's a bold move, Cotton. Yeah, that's a bold move, Cotton. No. I just called if, I, w- I, if, if I, I was to say it right now, I'm saying 10 and 7. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 13 wins, dude. Okay. All 13. right. Hey. Sign we'll me up for 13 that... wins. Sign me up for the Mavericks making the NBA Finals. And Mar- I'll tell you what. Look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'll tell you what. If I'm right, y'all going to be getting on this okay. podcast. Y'all going to be saying, dude, I, I need to know who you've been talking to. <laughs> I need to know who. I need to know what bed nods you've been looking at because I need to make some money. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I, I tell you what. This About this time, well, in about February, we'll get you back on and see how true that is. Okay. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. You, you know, you seen the meme? The, the what is it? The Homer Simpson meme? Right. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna slowly back into the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> I disappear, but I come back out with a donut. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Well, hey man, we we greatly appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks oh, a yeah, lot, man, man, for your time it's tonight. A, it's a pleasure, man. I, I definitely appreciate it and the opportunity to speak with y'all, especially you, Todd. I know I haven't seen you in some time. Uh, I think I saw your dad maybe uh, like a year or so, maybe like a year ago at a, at a, I think it was a football game. But, man, it, it's it's a pleasure to, to speak with you gentlemen and, and talk about sports, but also talk about real things that matter. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We love it, man. The only thing that we would ask, man, is, hey, look, we want to grow this podcast. We want to get the same thing out to everyone else. You know, we, we, we love doing what we're doing. Um, you know, we want to be able to kind of tie sports into life and, and, and be able to kind of bridge, you know, that whole thing of what you learn through your journey and how you apply that to everyday life, man. So, hey, the only thing that we would ask is that you share it with everybody that you know, man. I certainly will. All right. All right hey, man. we do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, you fellas get to bed. I know it's past your time. Yes, sir. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> two, hour, two and a half hours past my <laughs> Hey, we appreciate right, it. Good night. Mm-hmm. Thanks, bud. You've been listening to the Win Big Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we would love your continued support. Head over to Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast to subscribe and catch us on our next episode.